Welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I am your host, Scott, here with Nate. Just like last week, we're running it back with the running backs. We're going to hit a little deeper than we did last week. We're going to hit kind of running back 23 through about running back 36. We're not going to talk any rookies today. Um, there's a lot of guys who could fall right into this right into this range, depending where they go in the NFL draft. And that'll be contingent on how they do in the combine. So we're not going to try to speculate. We're going to talk about the guys that you're drafting right now or who are already on your teams um, and what we think about them. So let's roll the intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I'm like, I'm, I'm in for death taxes and the 2022 water receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Shout out, Spaceman. Just like last week, getting us hyped. I'm waiting for you, Spaceman. You're going to notice that you're the end of the intro. One of these days, you're going to DM me. But uh, that, without that being said, guys, all of these players we talk about today kind of go between rounds 9 through 13 of your startup. Truthfully, there's not a whole lot of separation before these guys. There's a lot of holes you can poke. Uh, we'll kind of paint some things we like, some things we don't like about these players. Um, you could realistically even call this one ginormous tier. So we kind of separated these guys based on uh, groupings of, you know, a lot of similarities. So that being said, we're going to start here running back 23. A lot of you guys were disappointed. He didn't make the end of the last video. And that's Miles Sanders, who's 26 years old. Uh, he's going into free agency. He was the running back uh, 13 in 2022. Kind of started strong, you know, uh, was one of the early early uh, backs that impressed returned really good on where people were taking him, especially in their redraft leagues, but he kind of tapered off towards the end of the season. Um, there's, there's the reason Miles Sanders back here, running back 23. It's kind of a combination of what he's given us before this last season and the uncertainty regarding whether or not he's going to come back to Philadelphia. Uh, it's really tough to say if they will prioritize him as a signing um, with Philadelphia still being one of the teams in the playoffs. It's, it's really tough to say what direction they're going to look to take. Miles Sanders has always been an efficient runner, you know, between the ton 20s, but he's had a limited touchdown rate his whole entire career. He managed to grab 11 this past year, which is what kind of boosted him early on. But he still only finished, you know, high-end RB2. I think that kind of shows his limited ceiling. He's decreased every single season in the NFL in his target totals. Uh, on average, he's losing 25% every single season. He's a, he had a 59% decrease in total from 2019 as a rookie versus his last year, 2022. So even though he came up in touchdowns, the, lim the limited targets really puts a cap on Miles Sanders. And thus, it's really tough to value him more than kind of that early second uh, range of player. Everyone we named today, no one here I would spend a raw first for. Miles Sanders is the first name in that list. Uh, he could potentially take a team-friendly deal, but it's a really good RB class. It's a really good free agent pool. Uh, they're losing Boston Scott as well. Maybe they bring him back. He plays well in division. I know he's the giant killer, they like to call him. Uh, but they still got Kenneth Gainwell, Brooks. They just re-signed to a future. They've Trey Sermon for whatever reason on there. So potentially they bring him back, but I think he's relatively limited anyway. They do have two firsts in this class, so... Maybe they hear the buzz of Jerry liking Bijan and they make a statement type pick there, but uh, I, I would be, I would be surprised. Uh, they did get that pick basically uh, for Jahan Dotson, who, you know, they moved pick sixteen to 
Um, the Saints, who ended up shipping it out to Washington when they aggressively moved up for Chris Olave, it, they got it. So for pick 16, they, they end up getting the 10th overall pick in this upcoming class, a second to third. I'd say that's pretty shrewd business. But that's Miles Sanders. I don't really have much more to say. Do uh, you have any comments on Miles Sanders here, Nate? Yeah, I think when we get into this tier and starting with Sanders, it's really about the uncertainty with a lot of these guys. Like I like miles Sanders. I think he's a talented back. Um, like you're saying, the targets have gone away. The receptions have gone away, which really limits his ceiling. And then you have all this uncertainty about where he's actually going to play football next year. And I think Philadelphia is a pretty shrewd organization. Either he'll come back on a really team-friendly deal or else they'll just look to this draft class and they'll find a guy there who can fulfill a similar role for them. I don't think they're going to feel the need to really overpay Sanders and make him a focal point of the offense when they've got such stars on that offense already. So, um, yeah, Sanders, I don't think he's going to be a guy who like finds a bell cow role elsewhere. So you're kind of left thinking that this may have been his best season that we just got here. Sad to say, you get so much promise coming into the league. A lot of people are so excited for Miles Sanders, but this is this might just be the best we saw. Talking about the best we've seen, Nate, you want to roll into running back 24. Yeah, number 24 is going to be Alvin Kamara for us, 28 years old to start next year. He was the running back 17 this past year. Uh, another reason keeping him down here is this looming suspension. We don't know what it might be uh, dating back to that altercation he had this uh, past offseason. Nothing came of it during this season, but uh, we might see something come through for the upcoming season. He does have a contract going through 2026. He's definitely not going to get cut this year. He's got 19 million dead cap uh, this offseason. Next offseason goes down to 9 mil dead cap. Um, you can make your own judgments about whether that's likely at that point. But almost certainly, I think he'll be cut uh, before 2025, uh, 4 mil dead cap there versus a 27 mil cap hit. Uh, the team has a second, third, fourth, two fifths, and a seventh. Uh, doesn't seem likely that they're really going to prioritize running back as a position in the draft, especially since they pretty much have to deal with this contract with Kamara at this point, even if they didn't want to. Kamara is still a serviceable back by most measures, but definitely uh, the last couple of years we've seen him decrease. Uh, if, I, if you just go by his receptions per game, uh, the last two seasons have been 3.6 and 3.8. Prior to that, he was up at 5.5, 5.8, well above 5 each of those years. Uh, so you really see the drop-off in receptions, which has taken a lot off his totals. Uh, really, the rushing has actually kind of stayed consistent, which is interesting uh, year to year. But it's been the, the targets and the actual receptions that have dropped off and, of course, the yardage to go along with that. And that's kind of taken the... Uh, high-end RB1 kind of seasons that we saw out of him uh, kind of off the table with Kamara. And now you're in a situation with the with the Saints where you don't really know what the team's going to look like, what the quarterback situation's going to look like next year. Um, so it's really tough to take a 28-year-old back and place him much higher than this, even though we know the profile. We know he's going to be um, a receiving back at the very least. Um, but 
you also have that worry that you know whoever it is that they bring in some cheap veteran uh, that it might just be a true 50-50 split and Kamara ends up uh, even more of a receiving back and uh, not getting the 200 plus carries that he's gotten the past couple years so those are the kind of the things you have to weigh with Kamara along with the age um, definitely he's still a talented back but definitely I think at this point his best years are well behind him yeah for Alvin Kamara we almost certainly have to restructure that contract at some point because it, it really does affect the team. And they have so many question marks. I don't really think they can afford to uh, roll with Kamara as things are. Um, potentially they bring in somebody like that, that Ingram role to kind of yeah help him out uh, with Drew Brees. I mean, he got so many, he got so many of those little dump off targets that obviously went away. You were thinking that would be combated with touchdowns. Just, you know, he was as good as anyone when it came to the red zone. That's with the team and the way they've been producing last year and at least since breeze left you can't really count on those as much either so kamara is potentially just a a safe floor rb2 potential spike weeks uh and at age 28 with all these uncertainties he's just really not a player that especially in startups i'd be looking to try to acquire we've gotten a lot of questions where people are throwing uh would you rather have alvin kamara over the 210 211 212 and at that point i mean yeah take alvin kamara you'll probably get an rb2 for your team um I can't imagine that you're going to get an RB2 in season for cheaper than like a late second, you know, 211, 212. Those are kind of mm-hmm. dark throws anyway. So I'll take Alvin Kamara in that sense. But this isn't a player that you're building around kind of in the way we've been accustomed to for Alvin Kamara over his career. Moving into running back 25, we've got AJ Dillon, who is 25 years old and was the running back 25 in 2022. Uh, he hit the double digit mark each week. Uh, 12 through 17 after not hitting it since week one. So he did kind of come on at the end of the year. Um, but there's so much uncertainty with this team as well. I, that's kind of the, the the motif of this episode here. We don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to let us know until last minute. Dude loves to just pick up this attention. He'll ride it till right into the beginning of next season. And, you know, the, the, the prayer for AJ Dillon has been... Well, once Aaron Jones is out of the picture, this guy's going to get the lion's share. He's he's a big boy, you know, 250 pounds. He's just going to get a full workload, and, um, you know, the moon is the ceiling for this guy. And I don't know if that window for him to shine is really going to come to fruition. I think his time's running thin a little bit. Uh, he is between the age and his contract, he he could be leaving Green Bay kind of at the same time Aaron Jones is. So these two could just be tied together for pretty much the entirety of A.J. Dillon's NFL career. This is probably just who he is as well, a fringe RB, too. I mean, two seasons in a row where he finished right at that, right right around that running back 24 mark. Uh, Green Bay, they have a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, three-sevenths, pretty standard-looking draft there. Uh, It's... Dylan Goodson Taylor under contract, uh, AJ Aaron Jones for one more year, most likely. So there's a lot of reasons to be nervous for AJ. You know, I think you're relatively limited if you're building around this guy. Um, again, I'll take him. He's right in that range with the early second. A lot of these running backs for this upcoming class where you're just hoping the situation falls correctly for him. Certainly he's got the size that the NFL likes and you see a lot of those weeks where he gets 15 plus carries, but without the receptions, without the team succeeding for him to get some touchdowns, uh, wavering efficiency as we've seen. He he is pretty darn limited. That being said, we'll roll right into his counterpart for running back 26, Nate. Yeah, his counterpart, obviously, Aaron Jones, going to be 28 for the next season, was the 2022 RB8. Uh, 
as always, it seems like with Aaron Jones year after year, uh, he add all the stats up at the end of the year and he ends up as a backend RB1. It's just uh, like clockwork at this point. Does have a contract through 2026. Would be If he was cut this year, it would be for a 9.6 mil dead cap. Uh, likely he sticks another year with Rodgers if Rodgers does stay. And he could be cut in 2024 for 5.6 mil dead cap. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more of a toss-up after that season. I think at this point you're valuing Aaron Jones as a one-season asset, basically. Um, you're hoping that you get the one season again with Rodgers in town. Uh, and then beyond that, anything that he gives you is basically gravy. But as far as valuing him and what you expect him to give your dynasty your dynasty squad, you're just hoping that he gives you one, uh, one more solid year. Um, I think Aaron Jones, like... It's pretty hard to say that he's not going to do something similar again, depending on that situation with Rodgers, right? Um, if everything stays the same around him, then it's hard to see why he wouldn't. Um, you know, you can say another year older, so there's, you know, add whatever percentage injury risk you want to or um, just end of the career slowdown risk. Like, what is that, 10, 15% you want to add that uh, he might? this might be the year that he just drops off completely? Um, so, yeah, you factor in that risk, but you're talking about factoring that risk in on a guy who is the RB8, and we've got him here at RB26. So I think we've got him pretty fairly uh, valued for that purpose. I'd probably, honestly, like to compare Aaron Jones with Alvin Kamara, right? I'd probably take Jones in most situations, Um both have QB uncertainty for next year, but I think Jones might actually have the higher ceiling at this point. Um, so just to compare a couple of guys in that kind of age range, I think myself, I'm probably leaning Jones um, by a little bit. How about you, Skylar? Yeah. Aaron Jones, if I'm a competing team, like I have to be a team that's either running back a championship or looking to take that next step because, you know, a couple guys on my team really perked up at the end of the year. Aaron Jones fits right into that mold. In any other situation, I don't want him. Uh, if he gets hurt, anything happens with him, the dynasty value just won't be there. He's lower than these guys, probably just because of where the market is. You know, people are yeah. less willing to pay for Aaron Jones than even a Dalvin Cook, who's a guy who's fallen, you know, a lot over the last two seasons in market. But if you don't want to pay round seven or round eight for Dalvin Cook in your league or, you know, a first plus, then you can get Aaron Jones as a mid-second. I mean, sign me up for that. Uh, a lot of these backs, again, people are really excited. Maybe their team build doesn't suit it. If you have a mid Second, you can really throw it out for one of them and probably bring them on board. So for that reason, I do like Aaron Jones. Uh, just not seeing it again as more than one year rental. So you really got to be cautious with what you buy in on, which is, again, the theme for this. You know, and another player, I think that's just going to give you fringe RB1 production when healthy next year is our running back 27, which is James Connor. He's also the slow just because if anything happens, no one wants to pay for this guy. He's been left for dead two or three times in his career. But he was the running back 16 in 2022, and that was after being hurt for a huge chunk of the year. When he came back, he was wildly efficient. He was very good. I, I don't think I saw him aging much more than what we saw from last year. Uh, who's not to say he can come back and do it again? He is still under contract with Arizona. Their only other backs on the books are Keontae Ingram and Tyson Williams. So he could really come back and just be the lead back for this team that's run by Kyle Murray. I mean, Kyle Murray might not start the season, but when Kyle Murray hasn't been there, They've really leaned on James Conner. His splits without Kyle Murray has been easily an RB1. So I think there's a chance he finishes out his contract um, or at least goes through 2024. 
if he gets banged up or they're in a different direction, they can cut him for only two mil against the dead cap, but his contract's only seven mil. So they might just look at James Cotter and say, even if he gets delegated in 2024 to a split committee type back, they're okay with that. Or someone else picks up that contract. Cause he could, I mean, if he plays like he did last year, still offers value to an NFL team. So James Conner for me, he falls right into what we were saying with the other guys. I think you can send a late second and pick up James Conner, which you know, in season you might not want to you might not have wanted to have sent your random second for James Conner. But now that we know where these picks have landed, you're really taking a dart. Once we get past that like two oh eight, so kind of two oh nine to two twelve range, this is as much as a dart is the early third. The hit rates there are so low. Uh, if you're running it back or your team, again, that's taken then except James Conner could really sure up an RB2 spot as good as anyone you might look to get in season. Again, it's just cost with this guy. Anything happens to him, he'll plummet in market. RB28, Nate. RB28 is David Montgomery, 26 years old, was the 2022 RB23. He's been a top 24 RB all four of his seasons. He's now a free agent looking for a new job probably this offseason. Yeah, kind of one of these guys who does everything on the field, uh, but is definitely not somebody who's elite at any given thing. Uh, not an elite rusher, not an elite pass catcher. Um, definitely nothing about David Montgomery. Uh, I wouldn't say he has a defining trait that most people are hanging their hat on, right? Uh, he did finish as the RB4 in 2020, which may still be sticking in some people's minds, but it was really a perfect storm that year. He had a huge target share, Completely commanded that backfield. Worst rushing division in football. Nick Foles came in at QB. And other, basically other than that one stretch of play that year that really propelled him to that status, he's been very limited. Uh, and you haven't seen uh, that kind of week-to-week ceiling uh, that he exhibited that year. There's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, with the free agency and where he might end up. I don't see this guy ending up as a bell cow once again anywhere. Um, you could argue that he wasn't really a bell cow this past year, 201 carries in, in 16 games played. Uh, so he wasn't uh, definitely, I think, Khalil Herbert ate into some of his share this year. And for good reason, because Herbert's a good player. Uh, so where is he going to go next year is obviously going to play a huge factor into where we value him. Uh, I was just thinking this might be another guy that a team like Denver, who has Javante as the back that they want to give the ball to the most, but they also need somebody who's going to probably, you know, carry the load for the first eight games of the season as Javante comes back from his injury. This could be the kind of guy where they, they give him a, a two or three year deal. He comes in and by the time Javante's contract expires, they're ready to cut Montgomery and to either make a decision to extend Javante or uh, move on entirely in that backfield. But I, I feel like that's the kind of situation you should be expecting this offseason with Montgomery. He's going to go somewhere where he's going to have some sort of split. It might not be as clean as that where you feel like, okay, I get eight weeks where he's the starter and then probably eight weeks where he's uh, the backup. It might not be as clean as that. It might be more of a 1A, 1B situation that he goes to. Um, But I think that's what you should expect, right? You shouldn't expect that Montgomery is going to go somewhere and just be a bell cow. Uh, if he were to go back into Chicago, I'd, I'd honestly, that's one of the spots I wouldn't want him want to see him in. You have Justin Fields there as a rushing quarterback, uh, taking away some of the touchdown potential there. And you also have Khalil Herbert, who I would probably argue is a better running back than David Montgomery at this stage in both their careers. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't like it 
to see him back there. I do hope uh, if for all the people who have him on their fantasy rosters that he finds somewhere where he can have a little bit more of a role than I would, or a little bit more of a fantasy upside, I should say, uh, than he would have in my estimation if he were to go back to Chicago. But I don't discount that as a possibility. It really depends, um, yeah, what we're going to see with this market, uh, how much these teams evaluate the incoming uh, rookie class and what they think they can get in the third, fourth, fifth rounds versus what they're willing to pay these veterans. Yeah, I like what you said about Denver. That seems like that could be a really good match for him where they, he can come in, he can do everything that they need, nothing spectacular. Uh, he certainly doesn't hurt an offense. He, he can come in, he can block, he can catch dump-offs if you need. He can run the ball for four yards if you need he's never been the most efficient runner but just as a plotter he can he can handle the load he's got a good size he's we've seen it year over year where he's he's going to be able to take that beating um and really also can help javante ease back in that, that would be a really good spot i wouldn't argue that david montgomery is a lesser talent than melvin the melvin gordon version we got by the time he got to denver which is potentially that vision they saw with javante anyway so it's an interesting uh, shout there. I think uh, Javante truthers would be pretty darn upset if they saw this guy who has a history <laughs> of being a bell cow step into that team, but it's, it is a realistic landing spot. Um, again, we haven't really got any word on these guys. So it is tough to say truly where he's going to go, where if Chicago's done and dusted. I know there was some cryptic Instagram stuff, but I, I never read too much into that unless it's a true altercation. Even then you never really know what's going on behind the scenes. So to move on, I'm going to put it right here, running back 29, Khalil Herbert, just because we were talking about that Chicago backfield. He's going into year three out of four of his rookie deal is 25 years old. Montgomery, as we just mentioned, is going into free agency. Um, the ranking here of Khalil Herbert is just a bank on his talent. We think he's a good running back. I think he's one of the best 32 running backs in the NFL, which is why he's inside our top 32. If Montgomery were to leave and they were to either replace with maybe a, a late day two, early day three guy, Montgomery could – or Khalil Herbert could come in and give us a really serviceable season. Just like what we're saying with Dave Montgomery, there is potential limitations uh, that he ends up in a split backfield, like what we've seen with Baltimore with JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards and company over the years with Justin Fields there and whoever they potentially bring in to command that backfield with Khalil Herbert. But if Montgomery leaves, my thing with Khalil Herbert is I think you get more than a 24 first in market. The second he goes, because people see what Khalil Herbert has done in the absence of David Montgomery, where he showed us the ability to be an RB one in games where he was the lead back. Uh, one thing Dave Montgomery never did was finish as the RB one on a given week. And we've seen Tulu Herbert do that. So uh, I think a lot of managers will be really excited. If Dave Montgomery goes for Tulu Herbert, uh, I'd probably be looking just based off draft capital. If this team's situation, a lot of the uncertainty with how efficient this offense is going to be the future of Justin Fields. Uh, I know we all want him to succeed, but if they come out in their dumps of fire next year, you never really know the direction of this team. Also, it's yet to be seen if they're going to truthfully go all in on the build around him. Uh, we've seen signs that they're going to do that for Justin Fields, but again, we haven't seen it. So you don't know a hundred percent. My point there is I would be selling Khalil Herbert. You think you can get a 24 first and a 25 second type thing if Dave Montgomery goes. And that would be, that would be a really good, really good sale for a back that we're talking just sneaks into the top 32. So Khalil Herbert is up here in our rankings because of that combination of the talent we believe he has and the potential to rise in market, depending on what happens with Dave Montgomery. If Dave Montgomery comes back, Khalil Herbert's 
yeah, he's an RB3. He's right in this range kind of anyway for production um, in situations where he gets work. We've seen him be very good, but he's probably just a split back, limited touchdown upside at that point. You're, you're hoping he's uber efficient. Uh, so there will be limitations if Montgomery comes back, which is why we're not more aggressive on Khalil Herbert showing him as high as we had in the last video with guys like Rashad White or J.K. Dobbins kind of sneaking into the top 20. Um, that being said, let's move forward to running back 30, Nate. Running back number 30 is going to be Cam Akers, 20, just 24 years old, surprisingly. Uh, he is going into year four of his rookie deal. Uh, but he was very young coming into the league. Uh, in 2022, he was the RB33. The key thing here that everybody's trying to figure out with Akers is obviously what is he going to look like a full year removed from that Achilles injury. Um, now that he's got this season behind him, and it was it was definitely a bit of a tale of two seasons with, uh, with Akers. The beginning of the season, the guy couldn't get on the field. He was being essentially benched. There's... He was going to get traded with all the talk. Um, he was upset about something, uh, the amount of usage, I guess, probably. And uh, it was just seemed like the relationship with the Rams was irreparable and he was going to be gone. And then, you know, you get to the end of the year and all of a sudden Akers is a bell cow back once again and actually looking pretty good once again. And so now you're left in this situation where you're trying to figure out uh, who the real Cam Akers is and what are the Rams going to do with them going into next year now that they uh, kind of have that decision to make. So obviously the Rams being the Rams, they don't have a ton of draft capital to worry about. They do have a second and a third and a bunch of six and a seventh. Um, there is even a potential extra compensatory pick if Baker signs elsewhere. It's really... I really don't see them delving into uh, running backs in the draft personally. I think they're probably just going to look for some more depth and free agency and add to that. They do have Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers as the other running backs in that room right now. There is a lot of uncertainty. We had Sean McVay talking about, well, I guess he wasn't talking about it, but there was a lot of talk about Sean McVay leaving the team potentially. Has confirmed that he'll be back for next year, which obviously gives you um, a sense of relief, at least for team continuity. So it's really interesting to try to figure out what Akers could be. Uh, I do think that there is some credence to the idea that uh, he needed a bit of this season to really recuperate fully and to get back into playing shape. Uh, we don't have a ton of... Um, sample size with guys running backs in particular coming back from Achilles injuries. Uh, think of Donta Foreman, right, as uh, maybe one to, that's uh, come on, I guess, later in his career where he was pretty much left for dead and now he's uh, tearing it up in uh, Carolina of all places and uh, showing out pretty well. And so you think maybe there is something to this with Akers where he needed this season to really get right, and next season maybe he's a little bit closer to the back that we thought we had when we were drafting him uh, in the mid-first round when he was coming out in his rookie year. So uh, there is, I think there's a lot of upside and there's a lot of downside here because the downside is that uh, he could get petulant again and uh, McVay could sit him on the bench and decide that uh, he's pretty much done and, you know, Maybe another team takes a shot on, a shot on him at that point, and maybe they don't. You could be looking at a guy who just goes completely to zero on your roster. Flip side of that is obviously he could come out next year. The Achilles could be a distant memory, and he could get a full bell cow load and 
turn up uh, RB1 season. That's not out of the realm of possibility either. It's really going to be an interesting season for Akers. I, I honestly, at this kind of price point, when you're in with all these guys who you're, you're like talking about, oh, their ceiling is an RB2, their ceiling is an RB2. Like at least Akers has that in his potential range of outcomes where he's an RB1 and he's an RB1 at 24, which makes him an instant huge hit uh, in terms of dynasty value. So that's one thing that Akers has going for him in this range that a lot of others don't, but the downside risk is uh, pretty much equally as big here. So I don't know. I don't know if I have a really strong take on the matter. I'm okay with him around this price point. It's where I have him ranked, uh, but I don't know if I have a super strong take on Akers. How about you, Skyler? Oh, it sounds like you're you're back. You're right back in. I, I saw you take him <laughs> recently in a draft. This is a luxury pick for me. This is a luxury player on your roster. Um, the only way I am bringing Cam Akers into my team is if I am in a startup and I trade it back and have a plethora of picks in rounds 9 through 13 that we're talking about here. Or, you know, I'm a team that just won a title. I have great depth, you know, four or five backs deep, a bunch of wide receivers and a bunch of picks. And I'm just willing to take that stab because as Nate said, with the age, he's, I mean, if he comes out and shows out the way Deontay Foreman did over the last two years, uh, you're immediately getting a good ROI just based on his age. Um, he's got the back foot to himself as of now. I would expect him to bring something in, in free agency, uh, hopefully for his dynasty sake. It's not like a Damian Harris instead. It's more of a, a lesser name. Uh, it was very interesting, the whole Daryl Henderson Jr. situation, where when we had all this talk going on with Cam Akers and Henderson, who's been okay, serviceable at worst, um, got removed from the team, was cut, didn't really find a home thereafter. It was very intriguing. Uh, that could tell you something about the future for Cam Akers, him coming on at the end of the year. Who knew it would just take Baker Mayfield to get him really rolling? <laughs> um, but with McVeigh coming back, familiarity with the system, it's not horrible at this price point. I just, again, as I said, it's a luxury pick. If I'm bringing K-Makers onto my team, uh, it's got, I got to be okay with him going to zero, right? This is, yep. I tell people when they go and they gamble, okay, you got to be, if you're betting a hundred bucks on a game, you got to be cool losing a hundred bucks. There's no, there's no, well, you know, I've got this process. I'm trying to win money. No, you got to look at it where you're comfortable losing 100% of what you invest. And that's how I look at K-Makers. He is a gamble. You have to be okay with just him going to zero if it doesn't pan out. So um, that's where he falls. But RB30, it's certainly a much better point to buy in. People had the same excitement last year, but they were taking him rounds, you know, six through eight of the startup. Now he's going, yeah. you know, past, as we said, in this nine to 13 range. That's much more appropriate for the type of gamble that he is. Uh, I don't ever expect him to jump up above that round six mark in value just with the Achilles alone, nor do I personally have a lot of confidence in his ability to sustain a workload over time even at Deontay Foreman has been limited had a little bit of waves in his success and there's mm -hmm. and no other name that we've really seen with an Achilles injury at the running back position come in and even do what Deontay Foreman has done so I have my reservations uh, I'm really apprehensive on Cam Akers I will tell a lot of people the market will not be kind to this player if he comes out week one or week two and does not have 20 carries 80 yards maybe a touchdown because they've been completely off him at points all in at other points these are the types of players that really scare me a lot of people who are coming to us in our discord in the description below um all season we're saying how do i sell cam Akers? what, what do i sell cam Akers for what, how do i get rid of cam Akers? and they really couldn't there people couldn't even get a second for cam Akers last year and now that you have them in a range of the draft where people are taking late first early second um 
this could be your chance to get out on K-Makers as well. If you're one of these teams where he was a focal point and you couldn't sell him for a second, I would take that early second right now and probably run away with it because they said, I only want him if it's a luxury. If your depth is scarce or you were building around K-Makers, I I think you just take this resurgence in market and wipe your hands clean and re-roll with maybe another back who it doesn't have an Achilles in the rearview mirror. Okay, next guy, Tyler Algier, uh, as Tyler Orgizki with us likes to say, elite first name, age 23. <laughs> uh, he was the running back 27 in 2022, going into his second year in the NFL. He had 1,000 yards as a rookie, which is very impressive. Went a little under the radar, to be honest. Um, took a while to get going with this team. He didn't really get worked in until Cordero Patterson went out. But I think it's important to note that when Cordero Patterson came back into the team, Tower Azir took over this job. It was it was a clear split yep. for a while. Then Pat, once Patterson got to 100%, they went into their bye week and they came out. Tower Azir took everything. And he had 79 attempts for 431 yards, two touchdowns, only seven targets. That was the running back five in that stretch. That's I don't think a lot of people realize just how good Tyler Algier was, especially when it mattered for your team. Uh, I would like to see more passing work. I saw flashes of James Conner just without those targets, mm-hmm. which is... The only thing keeping me from banging the drum for Tyler Algier as a top 24 back, which market probably has him there just because of his age, you know, 23. But I'm not as bullish because of how strong I think this class is. He does have round five draft capital, so day three back. Uh, The history of day three backs getting replaced, even after good rookie years, is super high. He didn't really have much to compete with on this team. Cordero Patterson obviously wasn't the Cordero Patterson we saw uh, in recent years when he really came into form. There are no other backs worth noting on that roster. Everyone who was there at least is there going into next year. So potentially he has the same situation, which could be great, but I would really like to see what they do in the draft. Uh, They have a first, second, third, two fourths, fifth, three sevenths. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me to see them spend one of those fourths or maybe a third on a running back to come in the the head coach here loves running backs. He loves to run the football. So you never know if he wants to just bring in another body Uh, towers year. At least he's got that NFL body. I mean, that's what we loved about him coming into the league. We said that late second, early third, which is a good, good spot to bank on five eleven, two twenty, relatively effective at BYU. So I, I really like towers year. I mean, this is a guy you can get as kind of a, low risk toss into a deal sweetener um you know as we said something like that mid second to late second i'm totally cool buying in on tower Azure there i'm just not getting too excited i'm not looking and saying this is a 23 year old back with a thousand yards why wouldn't i go spend that 110 to 202 range on him bring him into my team as a top 24 back because of all those uncertainties with the draft capital um the lack of receiving work a team that was the most run heavy in the league that could always change if they bring in a different quarterback and they really try to utilize Drake London or they bring in another wide receiver to help. They'll have Kyle Pitts coming back off the IR as well. It's important to note he wasn't a part of the team when Tyler Gier really popped off. So it's a bad football team. A lot of question marks. They're in a transition period for the franchise. Those are the only reasons Tyler Gier isn't higher. Um, but one guy who's, Pretty similar, but slightly better draft capital is running back 32. Who are we talking about, Nate? Yeah, that's going to be Brian Robinson Jr. He is going to be 24 years old going into next season. Was the 2022 running back 41. So obviously going into year two of four in his rookie deal, 
played around half of snaps in most games, but in terms of the carries, he was definitely the primary ball carrying back in Washington when he was playing. Definitely not a guy who saw a lot of targets. It was, uh, yeah, quite limited. Only saw 12 targets in his 12 games. They definitely gave those targets more to McKissick and Antonio Gibson in that backfield. And I really don't see a reason why that would change moving forward. He is definitely one of these guys who's built for the NFL. Um, Big body, big thumper inside, something that all these old school coaches love. Uh, Yeah, he's was decent, I guess you could say, especially towards the back end of the season. Um, It's definitely more on workload rather than efficiency. Um, But again, like this is a situation that I don't know is going to change a whole lot going into next year. They have three backs there in Robinson, McKissick, and Gibson that are good enough that you're probably not going to invest into anything significant to change anything about that backfield uh, remarkably. So I kind of feel like we're looking at a pretty similar situation. And if you look at the end of the season last year, uh, four of the last five games that Robinson played, he had 87 or more rushing yards. So he's giving you that floor. The problem obviously is how good are the commanders going to be at punching the ball into end zone into the end zone and how much is Robinson going to be a part of that? Because if he's only given you, even if he's given you 87 yards, if he's not given you any receptions whatsoever, then he's given you 8.7 fantasy points and nothing else if he's not scoring a touchdown. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why he falls into this spot. It, there's really just, um, no reason to expect him to change from what he was this past year, I guess you could say. Um, so I feel like this is a really limited back, a guy who can be a flex play um, week to week, but is probably not a guy you want to be banking on as your RB2 going into next year. Yeah, the buy point here for Brian Robinson is if you had a guy like we were talking previously in part one of this series for running backs like on Ramondre Stevenson, Dalvin Cook, maybe Tony Pollard, if you can move off of one of those guys, pick up Tyler Algier or Brian Robinson and then get a pick between 110 and kind of 203 in this upcoming class, that's a good teardown move because you could do get a shot at potentially a running back who could be as good as anyone involved in the deal. And then you get the production of Brian Robinson uh, that is limited, but it's a guy you can slot into your lineup. As Nate said, this is strictly a workload type player, probably him and Tyler Algier rather than necessarily talent. Uh, And we, we don't really invest in backs that aren't the most talented above a premium. If you can get in uh, cheaper, Totally cool with that. You need guys, people forget sometimes you need guys to actually play in your lineup uh, when you're trying to win (laughs) in fantasy football. And these guys fill that role rather nicely. I'm just not being overly aggressive because of the age factor or anything like that. Both these backs were older coming into the league as well. Mm -hmm. And where Brian Robinson, he did get that day two draft capital, which makes him a little safer in that team. But Antonio Gibson has one more year on the contract as well. JD McKissick, which limits the potential for him to expand that role with Tyro year, we mentioned everything with him. Uh, he was 23, you know, he's 23 already. And the next guy we're talking running back at 33 is another back who's people might be thinking he's young. Cause he was a rookie last year. He's not, he'll be 24 going next year. And that's Isaiah Pacheco, a player who was really a staple for JWB. We were, we were very high telling everyone on draft this guy late third, early fourth. If you could get him trade into the fourth, you need to grab this guy. He's going to appreciate you'll be able to move for a second, just the upside there in the Kansas city system. And that all came to fruition. That being said, 
We have him at running back 33 for a reason. He was a day three pick. They took him in round seven. We've talked at length about how replaceable those types of players. He looked fantastic when he's been getting out there. The little, little burst guy, exceptional speed. Uh, he had the best height adjusted speed score in last year's class, which is what mainly got us so excited, especially in that Kansas City system. If anyone's going to be able to figure out how to use a guy like this, it's going to be Andy Reid. And he really seemed to do so. He looked great, and he's made an impact in these playoff games. A big separator between a, Kansas, a team like Kansas City or a team like Buffalo is the ability to incorporate the run game into playoffs You know when maybe other parts of your game plan aren't going as perfect as you would like. And Pacheco's been huge for that team. Well, that sounds like a lot of good things, but he was still just the running back 34 in 2022, and that could potentially be the best season we see for him. Clyde Edwards, a layer, the only other running back left on the books there in Kansas City, uh, will be back for next year. You could maybe argue he rolls and in, slides into that role. McKinnon kind of played, and McKinnon and Pacheco took turns as far as fantasy relevance and the ceiling. Uh, Pacheco catches no passes. That's that's the biggest fall off here. He. I don't expect that to change. It's just not who he is as a player, and that makes him pretty capped. I think week to week, we had him in a weekly ring because he's the highest we'd ever put him. It's like running back 20, which is playable. It's a guy who can fill a need on your roster. When we're talking long-term, between the draft capital, his age, his his innate uh, importance to this offense and not being the most important player there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not getting overly excited for Isaiah Pacheco. I've seen him sneaking around seven, eight, nine in startup drafts, super flex startup drafts. It's just too pricey for me. I, I've sold off almost all of my Pacheco from last season. I had him in every single league. I was getting a mid fourth one week. I even snook him in at the top of the fifth round of rookie drafts. Um, if you can move off Isaiah Pacheco and pick up maybe a more polarizing wide receiver like a Rashad Bateman. That's a move I did straight up. I moved Pacheco for Bateman straight up towards the end of the season. I think that's a worthwhile investment. You're getting a player could maybe fill a bigger need for your team. Um, Other wide receivers who are in kind of that same range of the draft, maybe a Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, um, those types of players, Brandon Ayuk. These are the kind of names you could probably sneak uh, straight up for Isaiah Pacheco, and I think they offer more upside to your team. Pacheco's fine. He's an RB2, but that's a, a spot on your dynasty team that's much more replaceable than wide receivers who could potentially be wide receiver twos or threes. And this is a really good time to sell Isaiah Pacheco, especially if Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl, maybe he scores a touchdown. It's a great story for Pacheco, but with the limitations... There's just other players. There's other players in that range I'm going for. Thank you for Pacheco for what you did. We'll take our ROI, but... You know, I don't, I'm not in love with the new costs. We, we were talking pre-recording. One of the hardest things to do when you're really high on a guy is n- no one to get out because you kind of want to ride it as your personal darling. Tell everyone, well, I was in on this guy first. But just because you loved him last year doesn't mean you love him this year. Even though I'm rooting for the player, I think he's a fine player. It's all about cost, and the new cost for Isaiah Pacheco is too heavy for me. How do you feel about Pacheco, Nate? Yeah, I'm pretty much exactly in line with what you're saying. Um, very similar to you. I had a lot of Pacheco. Um, uh, wherever I've been able to get out at a decent cost, basically once a lot of these running backs, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, when we get into uh, the 2023 running back class, is the reason that you prioritize these running backs late in these rookie drafts is because as soon as they get a little hit like this, then they're instantly worth a second to somebody in your league. And you can turn around that ROI so fast. And Pacheco is just the latest example of that to me. Uh, Not a guy who I really think has potential to take over 
uh, more significant role at any point. I think they'll always have another back to kind of handle um, pass pro and to handle most of the passing down work as well. Um, definitely an exciting player, and that's part of it too with Pacheco, right, is that he looks exciting on the field. He looks like he's going 100 miles an hour even when he's not. So it's uh, one of these guys where the eye test really pops for a lot of people, and they think, oh, man, i got to have that guy on my team. And so he is one of these guys who probably has a bit of an inflated value in market, and I'm just willing to take that kind of ROI that you're talking about every single day of the week with a guy like this. And another guy who... I was hoping would have some of that ROI for us and might be able to flip. James Cook, also going to be 24 uh, going into next year. Another one of these senior backs from the last draft class. And this past year, he was the RB44. Obviously, a day two pick for the Buffalo Bills. Got a lot of people pretty excited. I did see him go even in the first round in some rookie drafts, uh, which was always a bit rich for my money. Definitely not a guy with a bell cow profile at five foot eleven, hundred ninety pounds. Uh, it's kind of a weird situation with Cook now. You have uncertainty in the coordinators that are going to be there for him in Buffalo and what they're going to think of Cook and his skill set and how he's going to be used moving forward. Um, they the Bills could decide that they really need to take some load off Josh Allen in terms of the rushing game, and they could go out and prioritize a back like um, someone who's actually a bell cow and can stay on the field all the time, and that could diminish uh, Cook's potential workload moving forward. They could decide that uh, they're just going to kind of accept that they wasted a pick with, with Cook a little bit in the second round. That's possible. Uh, it seems like the Bills really tried to fill a pass catching back role and then they didn't really use cook in that way if you look at his last two games there in the playoffs um against miami he has zero targets and against cincinnati he has zero targets and it just seems like when the chips were down they weren't even using him in the role that he was ostensibly drafted to fill so it's really confusing what the team is really thinking about james cook at this point uh, it's a player that I really wasn't into um, at cost at any point throughout this process. And I was hoping, you know, for the people who did have him, that we would have a situation here where maybe he comes on a little bit to the back end of the season and he's, yeah, has a few blow-up games, maybe a two-touchdown game or something like that, and you can at least get your return on investment back and kind of re-roll into a new class that may be a little deeper in guys who could actually have a bigger role moving forward. But uh, I really don't know if I see a bigger role moving forward for Cook. You have those two games that are like, and even before that, his most targets in the four games prior to that was three. So it's not like he was, you know, taking over a pass catching role and then they decided to move away and go with a veteran back for the playoffs or something weird like that. Like, that's not the case either. It was just that he was consistently not targeted through the last six games that the Bills played. And so... It's really uh, it's really up in the air what the Bills think of James Cook. I, I don't know if the Bills really know what they think of James Cook going into next year. I think they're probably going to have a pretty open mind about what they do at the position in the offseason. You have Devin Singletary, who's a free agent now. I think they, and for my money anyway, we'll get your opinion. Skyler, you're obviously more tuned into the team. But in my opinion, uh, if I was running that team, I'd let Singletary go and I'd be looking for someone who's a little bit more of a complete back and try to get someone in uh, who could fulfill a more, I guess, uh, every down role consistently for them in all facets of the game. 
That would be my take on the situation. Um, but definitely, we got to go to the FF Buffalo himself and find out <laughs> what exactly is going on with this backfield. What do you think, Skyler? Uh, I had always, I had always thought that they were going to bring Devin Singletary back, kind of re-roll with what they had been doing. But with how displeased everyone around the university seems to be with the way they fizzled out in the playoffs, there could be a lot of things shaken up potentially going into the next season. Um, I saw something; it was first-year play callers hadn't made a Super Bowl in like 30 years. So bring, you know, Ken Dorsey, I know they like for the culture to uh, elevate guys in-house, but bringing a guy in, in potentially your only Super Bowl window, you have seen for a while and could see for a while as a first year play car, bringing him in was a questionable decision. I think a lot of people were reflecting. He could be on his way out. He was interviewing for jobs before that game. We'll see if those stick. Maybe he stays with the team. They don't try to completely burn it down, but early talks there that, you know, he lost a lot of people around the organization, both coordinators for this team. Um, I would expect McDermott and Bean to stay running at the top, but potentially they bring guys to shake it up. And that could affect a lot of things with all sorts of aspects of Buffalo football. Uh, Devin Singletary could absolutely be on his way out. I think he's a pretty limited first, second down back. Um, I don't know what that means for James Cook. I would expect them to, as Nate said, bring in somebody who can handle more of a full load. Uh, even And even if it is Singletary who just stays in and they keep things as his, where have those targets been for James Cook? They're using him as a change of pace back, not even as a patch catching back. And the upside for me is really limited with James Cook. At running back 34, we are well below consensus on James Cook, but that's kind of been the theme for his entire career for us. We had him as a mid-second round pick in last year's shop class when a lot of people had him shoved up to the late first. Um, and him being a mid second for us was strictly because of how weak the depth in the draft class was. We were telling anyone mm -hmm. who took him to try to ship him for a 24 first with the excitement around him. Nate did that in a couple spots and I bet he's pretty darn pleased with himself right now. The BMI uh, is like a 27, 28, the hit rate of guys at that BMI to come in and end up being workload backs are far and few in between. I think we're talking only a handful of guys, maybe like Jamal Charles, Christian McCaffrey. The list doesn't go much past those two names. James Cook certainly isn't those players. They had much more complete profiles than a James Cook. Uh, I do agree. Buffalo will see this probably as a wasted pick, especially with deficiencies all around the field. They have a lot of question marks with the team. Um, probably their six best playmakers on defense. You've got three or four of them coming off significant injuries, uh, two of them up for contracts and, then Milano left over uh, a lot of the defensive line pressures they've gotten have or a lot of the guys they brought into pressure haven't been there. They couldn't get to Joe Burrow without a line. Um, and on offense, I think they very clearly need a, a an actual second weapon than Gabe Davis. I think Gabe Davis is fine, but as probably wide receiver four for your team, a guy who can rotate in as the second outside wide receiver time to time. He just, he was just too inconsistent this year. His hands were kind of all over the place. I like him. He's good at a bunch of things, not great at anything. And when you're leaning on him, McKenzie, you know, Shakir Crowder, Dawson Knox as the second options behind Stefan Diggs, you'll find games where when the team's, focus on digs exclusively you're left with nothing except josh trying to run the ball and that's what they did in this mm -hmm. game when they needed to get a run game going it was josh running three four times in a row and when he's going to be your team's lead rusher what is left for james cook who's not even catching passes um i'm completely out on this player and james cook i'm still seeing him go around eight nine people saw a couple exciting runs at the end of the year because he is fast i mean those runs are always going to happen with a guy with his speed i'm taking that and trying to move on i'm re-rolling the dice you can get in late first, early second, probably tough to get a first just because you see that number one, people are going to be a little more hesitant. But if you can get into the early first, even the mid first, 
I'm cool re-rolling the running back here. I don't think James Cook is going to be a player to build around. So I am out on James Cook just like Nate. Um, too many red flags. Too many red flags. A lot of question marks with the team. Just not interested. All right, guys, we're going to try to roll through these last two players we have for you today. These are kind of guys. How much do they have left in the tank? I'll start with Leonard Fournette. He was a running back 11 this last year. Uh, he'll be 28 going into next year. Um, like what we said with James Cotter, Aaron Jones, I think a lot of people will be surprised to see that Leonard Fournette was the running back 11 last year. Somehow, uh, he just kind of scraped his way there <laughs> off volume. Uh, he could be cut for less than a five mil dead cap, but I, I think he probably stays um, with that team for one more year. And if he doesn't, he'll go somewhere where he will have some kind of a role, even a split backfield. Uh, certainly if he stays in Tampa Bay, the trends towards the end of the year were, were more split between him and Rashad, which is why we have Rashad ranked a lot higher. Um, if he stays in Tampa Bay, you know, the receiving work we've seen from him could be, cut into that's kind of what's always given Len Fournette that floor that's how we sneak snook into the top 12 yet again it's just a lot of dump off zero yard targets from a Tom Brady and we don't know if Tom Brady is going to be there uh, there's videos of Tom looking at schools in Miami there's talks of him <laughs> being the face of Vegas there's talks of there's talks all over who knows what the heck Tom Brady's gonna do maybe he retires but without him there who knows what that, that looks like or those little free dump offs for Leonard Fournette uh, I think he's down this this far. It's probably worth a stab. I mean, if you're talking early third, I think there's people just looking to sell Fournette for anything. Sure, I'll bring him on. But other than that, I'm not looking to acquire this guy in any type of a package. I'm not targeting Leonard Fournette. When we said that early third, that's it's basically free. You're taking a 10 to 20% dart throw in that range anyway. Um, Leonard Fournette, uh, this is a one-year rental at best. You know, we said age 28. Will his splits continue to decrease even if he stays in Tampa with Rashad? Kind of like a Zeke Pollard situation. Who knows? A lot of question marks. Uh, who? Yeah, Leonard Fournette's just not a, really a, a player that is too exciting for dynasty fantasy football anymore. He could he could go to worth next to nothing at any point. Um, somebody's going to give you a mid-second for Leonard Fournette. I'm taking it and running away with it. I'm going to re-roll into this, this upcoming draft class. Uh, but Nothing too exciting for Leonard Fournette. Nate, you have anything else to add there for Lenny? Yeah, I think you really should be trying to look across and and see if there is something you can get into. Like, uh, for example, if someone is really out on Brandon Cooks, uh, that'd be a player that I'd be willing to move Fournette uh, to get into. Just try to move across positions and try to you know, <laughs> reset the opposing manager's brain in that way. Uh, if you could turn Leonard Fournette into one of these random tight ends with some kind of upside, like even like a Dawson Knox, uh, Juwan Johnson even, I'd be willing to do something like that. Just take a shot somewhere, right? Um, find somebody who's actually got some upside. Like you're saying, if if it's a, like for me, it's probably like a, um, maybe like a mid third that I'd be like, okay, I guess I could take on Fournette for that and just see, you know, if Tom's back, um, for one more round, then yeah, maybe Fournette gets his 60, 70 receptions again, and he's an RB2 for me next year. So maybe for, uh, you yeah, know, that third, third round draft price, uh, I'm probably okay with, with having Fournette for one more year and just hoping that it works out. Um, but again, we talk about it all the time. These RB2s, um, 
Obviously, this past year, he snuck in as a back-end RB1, but generally, uh, as an RB2, the kind of profile that you view this player as, these guys are a dime a dozen when it comes into the season. You can you can find them in season quite easily, and it's not someone that you need to be prioritizing this offseason, that's for sure. Absolutely, and we were talking Zeke Pollard. We'll roll right into the last game, Nate. Yeah, so Ezekiel Elliott, also 28 years old, likely under contract for another season here, likely cut after, uh, for 2024, though. Um, maybe a restructure in the works here, too, so keep an eye out for that. Obviously, you have Tony Pollard there, but Tony Pollard heading into free agency, as you heard on our last episode. Malik Davis, the only other running back on that roster. The Dallas Cowboys do have uh, full complement of picks, first, second, third, fourth, three-fifths, uh, sixth, and a seventh. Uh, it, I think, uh, Skyler, you're right on to think that they might be looking to grab another running back here. Obviously, it depends what they're doing with Pollard. Uh, if they do bring Pollard back, then they might look to target just another late-round guy just to have another name in the stable. Uh, if they let Pollard go, then I think they'd be much more aggressive in uh, in the draft. And it is kind of a Jerry Jones kind of pick, right? A, a flashy player at a at an offensive position. Uh, you saw them do this with CeeDee Lamb when a lot of people think they didn't need to with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup in town. Um, they're not afraid to make a big splash uh, if they think there's a player there that uh, will shine well under the lights that are the Dallas Cowboys. So there's a lot of ways that this could go still. I think as long as it's a Zeke Pollard kind of split, uh, I think you'd and most likely anticipate what we saw towards the end of last year uh, and in the playoffs even. Um, I think Zeke is going to get some run once again. They're, he's he's kind of like a legacy player for them at this point, right? Like until the wheels totally fall off, he's going to get some play. Um, and he's still, you know, he's going to fall into the end zone a bunch of times. Uh, they still have a good offense there. I don't expect that to change going into next year. So I do think he's going to float around, you know, your RB2-3 flex kind of consideration week to week into next year. Um, that's the most likely scenario for him. But obviously at 28 years old, another guy, you're just thinking about what can he give me for next year? Anything beyond that is absolutely gravy. I'm not expecting anything beyond one year. So he falls into kind of the same category we're talking about with Fournette, right? Where, um, you know, if there is a situation where you think he can get out and there's somebody who at least has some upside uh, that you want to take a shot on, someone who might have a chance to appreciate in value, then definitely I'm interested in that. If you're a contending team and, you know, someone comes to you and says, hey, uh, give me a third for Zeke, and, you know, you get an extra flex consideration week to week for next year, you know, that's a good use of a third in my opinion too. So it could go both ways depending on what your team's looking like for next year. Um, that's where I'm at with Zeke. How about you, Skyler? Yeah, it's just funny talking Zeke right after Fournette when the last video we were talking Rashad right after Tony Pollard. The parallels between these two players, uh, mm -hmm. it's on it, it it's really interesting, honestly. Both these guys were top five draft picks in their respective classes, which is interesting and kind of humorous to look back, just seeing where they're at now in their careers. Uh, kind of the tail end here. Yeah, Zeke Alley, he's just very, very limited. Um, you're hoping he falls into the end zone. I mean, his touchdown right at the end of the year was ridiculous. Uh, he kind of yeah. found his niche as this short yardage back 
touchdown <laughs> goal line expert, which is crazy when you just look at how much money this guy's made, what they signed him to be back when he signed that extension. Um, yeah, everything we said with Leonard Fournette recycled here for Ezekiel Elliott as far as what I'm willing to buy in on. He's not a guy I'm looking to target, but if you can toss him in for nothing, sure. Maybe he fills that RB2, 3, flex, week-to-week matchup kind of guy, um, but nothing too crazy. As you mentioned, yeah, with Jerry, it does feel like a Jerry pick. I would love to see the drama if Philadelphia and Dallas has another another one of these things where they're like <laughs> Nate and I in the startup trying to trade up to snipe each other in the in, <laughs> in these drafts. If one of them looks to, you know, Bijan kind of falls to the, the late first or maybe a Jameer Gibbs is still there kind of in the middle of the second. Maybe one of these two organizations take a stab and try to one up each other, make that flashy signing. But Ezekiel, he does. He offers very little to your fantasy team at this point. That's why he's all the way back here at running back 36. Um, before we close out here, I just want to give a quick little shout out to God. The next couple names people might be like, well, where were they? Uh, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, Devin Singletary, Jamal Williams. Those are probably close out our 40 pre rookies. Uh, everything past that, really, dude, it depends what how this draft goes. Where free agency lands everyone else is kind of question marks the thing that separates 90 percent of running backs in the nfl they always love the brain so it's just opportunity so everyone beyond running back 40 just kind of comes into what opportunity we're getting you could have somebody like a deontay foreman who falls in a run heavy team kind of a clear back and he have he offers a lot more value to your winning roster than he actually does in market even though he's beyond 40 he was much more valuable in your lineup this last year and certain periods of the season so um yeah ag and mitchell kind of their value spike is contingent on Brian Robinson, Christian McCaffrey health. Uh, both those guys are contracts through 2023. So nothing's really going to change for them unless there is an injury. If someone gets hurt, they're going to be worth obviously a lot more. Maybe that's your time to either use them or sell them. Uh, Singletary and Jamal Williams are just committee backs. Uh, they're going to be first, second down uh, kind of grinders. Singletary could call, could fall more into uh, a, first down row where Jamal's that like strictly what we were saying with Zeke, that short yardage guy, that touchdown expert, um, mm-hmm. both are free agents. They could more than likely go back to their teams. Uh, of course I could always change their low floor, low ceiling guys. Um, they'll see roles at their respective clubs, wherever they land. Um, but as we said, not much upside. So that closes out our top 36, or I guess you could say top 40 kind of running backs here, uh, early off season. Um, if you guys stuck with us, really, thank you so much. You can like, subscribe. Uh, it's really important, in my opinion, to reset your positional tiers, which is why we've been doing this. We've gotten through, obviously, quarterback and running back now at this time of the year because a lot of people are kind of slow to adjust or to look at it kind of with a lens towards the future, just kind of seeing where guys finished or maybe age. And there's a lot more nuance to that. If you guys have any questions or we got anything wrong in here, um, honestly, go down, put it in the comments or come into the discord we can have a conversation about it discord is in the description uh, i know like one example in the last video i uh i said now she's 26 he's 25 uh going into next season uh we're you know we got these notes so many numbers uh we might not have been perfect in every little thing but that being said appreciate you guys all for sticking through you can find nate at nathan gn me at the ff buffalo all things jwb at jwb underscore ff if you're into fantasy hockey Nate's got the best stuff around. He writes for Yahoo. He's got his own brand here that does exceptional well. It's Apples and Geno's link will be below. Their Discord is popping as well. Um, but until next time, see you.